summoned through the dimension of sound. People explore the musical world which they believe to be true. But there is a world unheard by some that is filled with stories of an unknown reality, a jazz side. Episode 11 of Tales from the Jazz Side is with blues harmonica player David Barnes. Taking on the job of uh, producing a monthly podcast, uh, writing it, recording it, editing it, is a lot of work. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not complaining, but it sounds like I am, though. But with all of the work that's involved, I've found it to be the most invaluable kind of work And why is because, you know, in putting the show together, it's given me the opportunity to, one, get to know musicians that I've known for a while a lot better. Two, to connect with musicians. Some I knew of their work, but I'd never met them and I never really had a chance to talk with them extensively. And three to discover and meet new musicians. And now that I have the chance, I go out and I listen to them play live and I explore their music. And it's just been an an amazing experience for me. I've, I've just learned so much. And interestingly, in this discovery, I found that there's a a huge number of musicians out there that don't have their own websites. There's no MySpace page or LinkedIn accounts. Um, There's very little about them on the Internet. I mean, there might be some bits and pieces here and there. Um, They might have a Facebook account or some YouTube videos. But the lack of Internet exposure doesn't take away from the fact that they are indeed talented, adept artists and gifted innovators that influence and shape the direction of how we hear and experience music. I am delighted to have this guest on the show today because he is an example of one such gifted musician. I met this intense, compassionate, self-effacing gentleman who had this subtle, wicked sense of humor many, many years ago when we both played with a singer-songwriter named Franklin McCare. And the McCare gig, or gigs, these were the real build-your-chop types of gigs, you know. We play sometimes, well, lots of times, seven days a week. And sometimes we play twice on a weekend. David had this positive energy about him all the time in those days. And even now, as we catch up on what's been happening with his career and playing over the years, it's still there. It's just the energy is still there. David's non-traditional approach to playing the blues has reawakened in me the fascination and love and respect for the blues David's style and approach to playing the harmonica doesn't resonate with me in the typical fashion. Uh, as I had mentioned before, it's very non-traditional. It's, it's not like the usual blues harmonica approach to playing. To describe it, I would say it has vibrant colors and dynamic tones that branches from the core of an artist whose personal journey of self-discovery guided him to identify his unique voice on the harmonica, um, the instrument that called to him to be played by him, the blues. Now, there is an Internet full of descriptions of the blues, what it is and what it's not. I trust that this interview today will stir in you a desire to explore how and why this genre, the blues, is the connector to all of the music that you hear today. What's it really all about? I don't really know that. All I know is that if you just listen to it and relax and be open, uh, you'll be surprised what you might find you like. Now, David has a Facebook page, 
And you can surf the web and find out more about the engaging Dave Barnes. But I'm going to make it easy for you. And I've posted some YouTube videos for you to view. Now, those of you who's paying attention, you know I write a blog that accompanies each podcast that gives you some details on our guests and some links where you can hear their brilliance. So with that being said, join me now on Tales from the Jazz Side with my guest, David A. Barnes. My guest today is blues harmonica player David A. Barnes, a.k.a. Dave Barnes, and in his close circle, Tatum's dad. Nice. <laughs> so, hi, Dave. I Thank you for that. being a guest on Tales from the Jazz Side. My total pleasure. Okay. Well, you know, you and I, uh, we go back a ways when we were back in the Franklin McCare days. I seem to recall. Yes. <laughs> And um, usually, you know, uh, with all my guests, I do like really serious research. I go way back, and I don't, I don't just Google and stay in the one to four tabs. I go way up in the fifteen, yeah. twenty tabs. You know, Archival. Yeah, I go way back in there. We dig deep. Yes. <laughs> and I found uh, at least three David Barnes. One's a harmonica player as well. I think the cat's name is Mad Dog Dave Barnes. Never heard of him. You Sounds like a bum. <laughs> Do you know him? No. No, you don't? Is he from Australia? Uh, I, You know, I didn't go and start oh, tabbing okay. more so toward him. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> we, I was just concerned with you. <laughs> I think he may be. A, there's a lot of cats in Australia uh, assuming my identity. Wow. There's a lot of people on there. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier before we started that there's a lot of people. With my name. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great for my career, yeah. uh, my brand, because yeah. I'm worldwide. Yeah, and, you know? and, and they're all musicians. And yeah. I think all of them are like play blues or they play harmonica or slide guitar. Or uh, there's one singer-songwriter named Dave Barnes oh. who's actually uh, you know, pretty popular, kind of well-known. I think he just won a Grammy for one of the songs that he wrote, uh-huh. recorded by a country star. And uh, I actually met him. I went, I went I, you know, because interestingly enough, I Googled myself uh-huh. in, a, in a moment of uh, self-gratification. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, uh, found this guy. He okay. was the first guy who came up. Yeah, yeah. And I listened to him. He's got a nice voice. He's very talented. I found out he was playing at the bitter end. So you went to check him out? I went to check him out. Wow. And uh, it was great. And I'm, I went backstage and yeah. met him and introduced, just talked introduced and myself and said, listen, man, I'm the other David Barnes. <laughs> I, I, I took out my, my driver's license to prove it, right. you know. And uh, so we bonded over this great name that we both share. And uh, I said, listen, you know, I had to come down, check you out, mm-hmm. make sure you are worthy of the name. Because, right, right, right. dude, if you sucked... <laughs> You'd be right. walking out of here, seriously, Johnny Barnes or <laughs> George Barnes, something else, because that was not. That's true. Like, no, 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 you can't bring me down. No, no, it's that's bad. True. It's bad for the Universal brand. Yes, you know? <laughs> the Universal brand. Oh, all the day, <laughs> all the day, Barnes. There, so it's so funny. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, since I couldn't find a, a site for you on the web that had like all of your bio information in one place, I decided to go to Facebook, which I, you know, not a big fan <laughs> of Facebook, but. Anyway, I went there and there was, voila, there was your bio, but it was, the way it was, was kind of, it was like how you are. Okay, so it was your bio, but it was in pictures and in videos and in poetry. And so it it was really, uh, I learned a lot about you just by going through your your Facebook page. and uh, Yet another know, ringing endorsement for the positive aspect of Facebook, oh, yeah, ladies please, and gentlemen. Please. It's not only a, a tool for destruction and uh, the, the uh, appearance of false rumors and lies. Mm-hmm. It's also where the true facts of just me mm-hmm. exist. <laughs> it's just me. Everyone else is lying. <laughs> I'm the only guy... Well, you have, uh, I know your lovely sister, Donna Marie. Yes. And, and your beautiful wife, Elizabeth. Yes. Call Lizzie. And your amazing son, Tatum. Yes. So, uh, and I know you you have such a strong uh, rah-rah for Tatum. 
Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm a very proud father. Yeah, and, uh, and why is that? Well, you know, uh, first of all, he's an amazing human being. Yes, he is. He's really, uh, I say this as objectively as a proud father can get, so obviously it's not objective <laughs> at all. But I had the the pleasure of being a early uh, addition of the full-time stay-at-home dad. Oh, okay. Back in the day, mm -hmm. uh, Lizzie had six weeks of maternity leave, and so I was responsible for raising Tatum, wow. taking care of Tatum from the time he was six weeks old until he graduated high school. Wow, that's interesting. And, of course, by that time, he was really sick of me being around, man. It's <laughs> like, yo, dude, it's been a long time, you right, know? Right. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah. Thank you. Thank now that's you. amazing though. You know, for father for the father to be the, the one that we raises were, We were cutting edge. Yeah. That was pretty good because uh well, you know, Lizzie has an incredible career. Yes, she does. As a psychologist, psychoanalyst. Mm -hmm. And uh I was at the time I was working uh as the photo editor for Emerge Magazine. Oh, God, I remember that. Which used to yeah, be around. That's it was right. our voice in today's world, monthly news, you know, magazine for black people to read and stuff. So I was in the photo game for, yeah, for a few years. That's right. And then uh, we had Tatum. Mm -hmm. Emerge Magazine moved to Washington, D.C. because it was bought by Robert Johnson of the oh, BET oh. Empire. So they relocated and... Uh, I, I, you know, stood at the train station waving goodbye <laughs> to that job. Said goodbye, Emerge Magazine. Right, right. I'll be staying here. Yeah. Now, are they still around? Is are they still no. doing it? No, no, that's uh, that's something for throw throwback uh, Thursday. Thir throwback now. Thursday. <laughs> well, now, um, now besides you being a musician and a great one at that, I have to add that in. Uh, you're also a, a poet and an actor. Okay. Uh, when I saw you about a year ago, uh, and maybe it's a little bit longer, you were telling me about a project that you were doing in the village with activist political poetry. Um, remember you were telling me you were adding poetry and everything to it? Now, what I want to know, and uh, when I was stalking you on Facebook, <laughs> I, I saw this great picture. Uh, it was a very, very young you on the campaign trails holding oh. a sign of Goldberg and Patterson. Yes. And so Basil Patterson was your godfather. Correct. Okay. And I want you to tell me a little bit about that period of time, you know, to get in there. And if those early experiences actually, uh, do you remember that project you were telling me about with adding the, because you're looking over here like, I don't know. I think it, it might have been one of the other David Barnes's. No, uh, no, out, no. Out it was the you. World. It was you. Uh you know, there are so many different projects that I've forgotten. Uh, but uh, last year, huh? I was doing something. Or maybe it was a couple of years back. Because it's been, a, you know, our it's paths been a crossed. It's like, But with lots of time in between, you know? Well, I, I was getting out there doing some blues poetry. Blues poetry. Okay. That that's was my, that's really my thing. That's what I. Okay. That's blues what I, poetry. Yeah. I, I'm. Uh, I tried to be a part of the tradition really established by Sterling Brown, who is one of my ah, inspirations, an incredible poet uh, who actually went to the same college that... Oh, uh, that you went to, which was uh, William, uh, Williams, Williams College, Williams college yeah, yes, in Massachusetts. Yeah, yes. So he really had a, a profound impact upon me. I never met him. I never studied under him, but I just loved his poetry and I loved his sensibility. And uh, my... You know, my poetic vision or expression really uh, comes out in this, what I consider a blues idiom. Okay. So, although I'm not writing uh, blues songs, a lot of these poems could... Uh, could easily could translate into a blues song. I would think. Adding I mean, I'd like yeah. to think so. I certainly, in my mind, yeah. And yeah. Well, in my mind, they're all good, too. Yeah. <laughs> Right, always. You know, I said, man, that was good. And I bet that would make a pretty darn good tune, man. So, you know, that's, but that's what uh, I'm about poetically. Yeah. And why, what brought you in that part? Just because of from school and, and or um, being Oddly enough, you know, there's, there's something that 
truly resonates in my in my soul about mm. uh, the blues, not mm. just playing them, but yeah. uh, identifying with them to an extent that I, you know, I don't, I don't live them uh, in a any real material sense. Right. You know, I'm a, a very comfortable, fortunate man. Mm-hmm. I don't have. A lot of problems. Okay, I yeah, don't you're have, really chill. I don't have. Besides you, Michael Franks, you're probably the chillest yeah, cat I. Know. You know what I mean? Well, that I says I've something. Ever seen that's you cool. Be angry or get weird? That's, or that's really not my thing, and that's and that's what I'm. You know, I'm constantly working on mm-hmm. this evolution, this positive evolution. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't take this ego-driven stuff seriously, yeah, yeah. and I'm not stubbing my toe over these heady things like oh you know you didn't do enough research on how bad i am and you didn't find out you know so now i'm upset about that you know that's not what i'm about yeah yeah. so everything is pretty chill with me because i'm uh because i'm very happy yeah however i still find i have this uh uh relationship to the blues it's not you don't necessarily have to be in the gutter to know what it's like to be in the gutter i've been I've been way down. Mm. I mean, I know the blues. I've lived the blues. Uh, it's not a lot of common knowledge for a lot of people because, you know, I live a full life. Right, right, you know? right. But it's a, it's internalized. Yes. You know what I mean? I, yeah. So my, I, I deal with stuff uh, and with pain and disappointment throughout my life, but uh, that doesn't define. Yeah who I am or how I uh, interact with the rest of the world. I'm a positive. Yeah, you really, you really are. Now I, I remember, um, when, uh, you started playing the harmonica, uh, I think I I remember the first time I, was it, was the first time you started playing, really playing, was it when we were working with Franklin or had you been kind of dabbling in it a little bit and then you, you I I started playing when I was 13. Oh, okay. So uh, that was, you know, and I started playing with you and Frank. Well, you know, I started playing with Franklin. I first saw Franklin. This is Franklin McCare. Songwriter, singer, guitarist, just, you know, great artist. Really. He he was my original American Idol. Yeah. Someday, at some point, I'm going to have him on the show, too. Yeah, I would think so. Oh, well, yeah, I I will. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is why I've got to up That's the show. That's another story. I know I've got to up the show to like two shows a month now because the list keeps getting, getting you know, longer I'll never get longer. through them. I know. And I, I know. keep thinking, oh, yeah, I got to put in my, oh, yeah, I got to do. And then I run into you, oh, you've got to be on the show. I know, and, you know, I know. So <laughs> well, I figured that, you know, the waiting list was going to be uh, months long. And it was like, okay, how about next week? Yeah, no, no. I just, you know. <laughs> I said, damn, you know, V must have run out of all of her friends to I just, it, <laughs> well, you know, I just kind of thought it would be really nice to have uh, uh, to have this segment in here because it deals with blues and and we'll in a little bit later on I'm going to bring up that blues and jazz thing, but um, but anyway, with Franklin, you had started playing at 13, so you played with Franklin before. Um, yeah, this is the story with Franklin. Uh, when I was growing up, the drinking age in New York was 18. Mm-hmm. So that meant there were certain bars uh, in the, on the Upper East Side where you could drink at 17, yeah. no prob, right. with no fake idea or anything like that. So that was what I was into at the time. Mm-hmm. And I fell in uh, with my high school friends uh, into a place called Brandy's yeah, on Brandy's. 84th yeah, Street yeah. between 2nd and 3rd. Yeah. And there was this cat playing uh, just vocals and guitar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was franklin mccare and and the first time i saw him he's i was so blown away by mm-hmm. just the, the amount of talent mm-hmm. that this one man had mm-hmm. that i said you know when i grow up <laughs> my ambition is to play with franklin mccare really i swear i didn't know I, that so uh so i was playing the harmonica for about four years i could get a little wah-wah going you know i was still really i mean no clue but i had gone from your basic bob dylan Mm -hmm. uh through the uh, 
the Neil Young at that time, uh, uh, you know, uh, Harvest album had just come out. Mm -hmm. So there was a couple of licks that I could do yeah. on, you know, Heart of Gold. So I was like, all right, so I'm cool. Then uh, 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 War was hot. So Lee Oscar was playing some serious harmonica. And that was I was trying to grow into that okay. so I could you know do a little cisco kid yeah. riff or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that yeah. i was trying so i i had learned how to bend a note mm -hmm. so that was cool um but with franklin he had one song uh bring it bring it on home to me mm -hmm, sam mm -hmm. cook mm -hmm. bobby walmack yeah and he would play it and i had the right key harmonica <laughs> and he would be on stage and he would just start playing softly mm -hmm. And I would sit at my table mm -hmm. and wow, 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 and so that was my huge thrill. Mm -hmm. And as time went by, my table got closer and closer <laughs> to the stage. You know, I was like, "Yo, dude, what's happening?" You know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like red light, green light, one, two, three, and all of a sudden, it's like, "Yo, dude, man, you're getting close and close." Next gig, boom, there I. So I was, I was right up there, wow. and finally, I got on the stage for that one tune, and you know, the story is that he. He was trying to get me off the stage ever since. Right, no. Because <laughs> it was like, it oh. It was such a great addition. It was such a great it addition. It was nice. To, it was, yeah, it was it work. Was, it was it good It really work. was. Now, I know, um, you know, sometimes people get confused sometimes when we start talking about blues and jazz, you know. Um, I remember I worked uh, in Tower Records a long time ago, and uh, at some point they made me uh, the blues, blues buyer. Okay, because you know, whatever. I don't know why, because I didn't know anything about it. I didn't have a clue. But what I did remember was, first of all, I, I love the names. They had such great names. But there, there were also a lot of blind players <laughs> that were in there. And I, and I just put down a list right here, seriously, of some of the. There were blind Joe Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Teddy Darby was blind. Uh, uh, Roosevelt Graves was blind. Sonny Terry, who actually Michael Franks worked with, yeah. which I, I didn't uh, realize until Michael told me a long time. Uh, Reverend Gary Davis, he was blind. blind. And then the names, Blind Mamie Forehand, Blind Boy Fuller, Blind Willie Johnson, Blind Willie McTell, <laughs> Blind Blake, Blind Lemon Jefferson. You know, And so I said, well, let me see, uh, why is there, and I was curious, is why is there so many blind blues players and gospel players uh, during that time? And... Um, so this, I think, is a part of like some of the history lesson that we, we get. In. And this is, I'm sure you know, um, that uh, some people just said, well, you know, if you were blind, you're, you're sad. So this, you're going to, you know, you can't see, you're really sad, so you're going to play the blues. <laughs> but that actually, uh, as you're saying, you don't, you don't actually have to be sad to play the blues. Right. Uh, but at that time, if you but had you a, have to be sad to be blind, though. I think initially you have to be sad to be blind. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. No, all right, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. But, but in uh, any case, no connection. Uh, it was hard to work if you if you had a handicap. Uh, Profoundly, especially early in those days. And look, know? if you were black and blind. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that, those are two profound strikes against you. So you know, uh, uh, who said? Somebody. There's some famous quote that. Uh, I'm well mangled, but it's like you know, being b born black. It's like what the fuck? You know, playing the blues is like being black twice or something. Right, you know, it's right, like, right, right, right. So yeah. born yeah, yeah. blind and black is like really you know, it's like you right. you're in a yeah, deep hole. Yeah, you seriously. But interestingly uh, enough, you know, at that time, black people only had uh, a certain amount of of perceived value, and yes, that was mostly true. as a source of labor right so that's if true. you're blind or some other way uh handicapped mm -hmm. you, your worth your value is not non-existent yeah. so that means now you are a, a, a drain upon whatever local economy or whoever wherever you live or whoever's taking care of you or that, that type of thing so uh they were trying to as i understand it one skill that they could provide right. black uh, blind people so like, well, at least learn some music. Yeah, you yeah. know, and then you, and that's these cats were going out, doing their thing, yeah. playing that playing that music and making a living. Yeah, Look, they couldn't 
work the fields. Right. So they were making money, so at least people, you know, uh, didn't they were not totally dependent on other people. Exactly. And, you know, there's like out of that, I, I started doing more research uh, on, uh, well, at the time I was aware of it, but it wasn't as clear to me as it is now. But there was the Delta Blues, um, which has more harmonica and steel guitar, right? Okay. That's out of the Mississippi, right? Yes. Okay, and then um, uh, there's a guitar that they talked about, a, a t- uh, tobacco, no, cigar box. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of those? Uh, a friend of mine makes them. Wow. Yeah. They take a what? Did, they take a cigar box. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, right? No, what you do, you take a cigar <laughs> box, you cut a hole in it, that's like the sound hole, and then you stick some sort of mop handle or something like that up in there to the other thing, and that would be like the neck of the guitar, and you take some wire that you take off a fence or something, you know, and you... And that's a cigar box. Have you played with, have you played with somebody playing a cigar box? No, nah, I don't no. know shit about that shit, man. I don't know nothing about that. Well, you know, that they had that the Delta Blues, and then they had the West Coast Blues, which has more of the jazz and the up thing, and then there was that East Coast, which was from the Piedmont. Piedmont uh, blues, blues, that's right. a lot of good finger-picking guitar and some great harmonica playing, uh, I guess, the most recent and great, greatest example of Piedmont blues would be uh, uh, John Cephas and harmonica Phil Wiggins. Oh, okay. Great duo, I mean, and that was straight-up Piedmont blues, and harmonica Phil Wiggins is just a monster wow. on that harmonica. He's one of those people just go around and constantly hurt my feelings really you know, every- <laughs> damn man why you want to be so good <laughs> damn harmonica <laughs> like no wonder that you know you, you you got a guy who's named harmonica phil wiggins oh well yeah you know it's like yeah. well okay okay well, okay, they okay. Stuck it in the front you know it's like yeah that, it's got to mean something <laughs> you know it's like oh okay i guess you good you you really good harmonica there's no doubt about it uh, well, you know, the thing, though, that I find about you and playing the blues harmonica, which I, I always I always love your approach to the instrument. And to me, it never... Like, sometimes when you hear a blues pe- uh, uh, cats play the blues harmonica, from the very get-go, they start wailing. You know, it's like... Right, right. And you construct solos. You you find a, a beginning place in which you started and, and you, you build and you develop. It's very much like a jazz uh, solo improvisation. And that, to me, is very, very unique. I love that about you. And... Um, what I wanted to know is, okay, you were saying that uh, you started playing at 13, and you are basically self-taught, right? Oh, oh, completely. Completely. You didn't go to like a Oh, the conservatory. College, right? uh, except for the years that <laughs> I spent college. overseas at the uh, conservatory. <laughs> play a, a blues. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what, I know you said that you have a strong affinity for blues, but what drew you to wanting to play the harmonica per se for for the inside blues interesting story this is all right this is the very truth of the matter okay whereas everything else was a lie everything (laughs) it's like i will answer your questions but i will not tell the truth (laughs) true story this is the deal uh back to school shopping with my mom Mm -hmm. i grew up in the bronx okay we had a little a nice groove. Now, I was a good kid growing up. Uh, and I'm a, you know, good good kid now. But uh, <laughs> I had a deal, like standing deal with my mom. We would go out shopping for like back to school stuff. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like, yo, don't drive me crazy. If you're good, you know, uh, at the end of this experience, you get some pistachio nuts. Oh, okay. That's the thing. Okay, Which is so really big now, pistachio nuts. It was, it was my fave back in the day. <laughs> so we would go uh, to Fordham Road uh-huh. in the Bronx yeah. where they had a, a, an Alexander's department store. Yeah. You know, so that's where I, we would pick up my new shirts and so stuff, <laughs> you know. And uh, so in this particular day, I was really good. I was cooperative, oh, wow. and we got the stuff. And then... See the thing is, uh, you go downstairs to the the subway. Yes, that's how yes, we got yes, home, yes, right? Yes, yes. 
And on the final level of Alexander's, mm -hmm. there were little shops. And one was a little nut store. And we would go. That's where I, my mom would get me my little quarter pound of red salted yeah. pistachio nuts. You know, you, your fingers are all man, red. Man, all red. Your lips are red. And you're, you're, on a, and you're thirsty. Afterwards. Salt high. <laughs> so, man, here I, I had angels' wings on, and we do all this stuff, and we go down to the nut store, and the nut store was closed. Yeah, so you know, this was this was an an incredible betrayal of <laughs> you know how was that a the, the uni the, the universal oh, exactly. the universal I deal yes. that I had with mom. It's like, yo, moms, what's what? <laughs> yes. I mean, I had what does this mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was Everything like, was out I of could, balance. I could have you know at that moment I could have just turned to a life of crime <laughs> because like. I, you know, later for this well, being good thing, because guess what? There's no pistachio nuts at the end of that rainbow. You know what I'm saying? I said, so later for that. So it was closed. So my mother uh, did some quick thinking. Next door to the nut store was a tiny little music shop. So she said, well, let's go in here and see if there's something that you want. And uh, that cost about the same amount as a quarter pound right. of, of <laughs> pistachio nuts, which I think was about three dollars and twenty five cents. Which was a lot if you at that time. Ab I mean, that's absolutely. A lot, yeah. And uh, that's when I got my first harmonica. Really? What key? Do you remember what key it was? I believe it was probably in the key of C. Uh -huh. It was a Honer vest pocket yeah. harmonica. Uh -huh. So it was only. Two and a half inches long. Right. You know, it was it was a little bad boy. Right. Uh, but that was it. Wow. That was it for me. And uh, I would like to say I never ate pistachio nuts again. But that that's no, not no, true. No, that's I not mean, true. it was like. No, no. I, okay. I, but I took that little harmonica and went into the basement of my house. Wow. And I started wailing on that thing, night and day. Wow. I could only do you know at first I could only do basic Bob Dylan, which is just blow, you know. Right, right, right. In, out, take in, a, out, take a, in out, in out. Take a, right, in out, in out. In out, in out. Take a bunch of chords. And uh, so my first thing I was doing was uh, like, but I'm talking about six to eight hours. Oh. My parents are up, like upstairs. <laughs> Banging on the floor. Will you I shut would. up with that damn harmonica? She probably, they probably regretted <laughs> yeah, that. Like, so they probably went to find oh, the owner of the man. pistachio show. But that was it. That's, and that's what I did for hours and hours. Just that thing. And uh, at that same time, I went to my first live concert mm -hmm. uh, with my sister, Don Marie. We went to see John Sebastian. Oh, wow. This was like just after the Love and Spoonful yeah, broke out, up yeah, or yeah, something like that. Awesome. So he was doing his, his, his uh, own solo thing. Solo right, thing, right. you know, wearing the tie-dyed shirts, yeah, the tie-dyed yeah. pants. And every so often he would break out this harmonica and just wail. Ah, and so that's, you know, I said, oh, this is some bad stuff. Right. He had a tune called the Happy Harmonica that was like, it was... At the time, it was the equivalent of of juke right, and right, whammer right, jammer right. to me because I did I hadn't I had no idea that those tunes even existed right, at the time, right. and uh, just blew me away. I said, "All right, that's another link in the chain." So yeah. let me go get on it. Right, it was like fate that led you to that, and you know, in a, in a way, it was like the Listen, lining up of the universe. If, if the pistachio nuts were available, I would never have gotten a, a harmonica, and yeah. then my life would have been. So you owe a lot to the guy who was unable to pay the rent and stay in Seriously. the place. Or maybe, you know, he might have died that day. Right, I, maybe I that's know. it. Yeah, that whatever it, it is. But those, <laughs> those circumstances. Well, that's a great story. It's that's it. an excellent story. Now, um, you know, your uh, unique way of playing has put you 
in the arena with some really heavy hitters that they, they say in the we say here in the in the yes blues world it's very true uh james blood ulmer yes indeed uh, michael powers thomas donker yes um so michael you, hill michael hill michael hill's blues mob uh yeah a lot of cats that play with a lot of really really interesting cats. Well, some of the names of some of the guys i was trying to because i know you're on a lot of records you're on lot quite a few yes uh, i am uh, indeed you, you know you are you have but it's just no but it, it's so weird because you know I'm quite i the impressive I, I had to go <laughs> and I you know had, the best part about it that and a metro card gets me a ride on the subway no i'm just trying to say that i had to go through all of these things to find out if it was you uh-huh. the dave barnes or it was another dave barnes and it is very impressive you you play on a lot of a lot of cds and there's a lot of really great uh, videos of you on yeah. YouTube playing, so I do suggest people to check that out because, um, you know, I always think of uh, artists and and musicians and and uh, very creative people and how their careers can be. Uh, so many people don't really know them per se in that that sense, but the music that they play and and what they create is this. Uh, is is so powerful that um, it affects like uh, a whole space, you know. Even though yeah. people might not re- realize it, there's like a whole world of music and art that we never even touch at times because we're either you know used to listening to a certain type of music or it's not presented. Right. I mean, is there like a um, a blues radio station that really plays eclectic? Blues, or are, is the stations the same as kind of some of the other stations that play? You know. Well, let's put it this way: I, I've only heard myself play on the radio once. Wow! In my life, and surprisingly enough, it sounded just like listening to, you know, the CD in my car or oh. in my house. Oh, you know, okay. it was like, yeah, yeah. oh, it's on the radio. Yeah. Oh, you know, I expected. I'm from, I'm from, you know, I'm old enough to, you know, identify with you, you, the new artists coming out. You hear your oh, radio, yes. you, you oh, hear it yeah. on the first time and yes. it's yes. like, oh my God. I know, God. and you go you know, crazy. You go crazy, you drive around yeah, yeah. and crank it up. Listen right, to me This is me, radio. yeah, you know? yeah. Well, now with technology, it's like, oh, yeah, it sounds just like, uh, when I listened to, right, <laughs> to exactly. myself, you know, when I listened to the album, you know, on my phone, right, it, right, so right. So the thrill was gone. Yeah, you know? and it's so accessible from all other other media, right? Like, you know, other network things. Big, like, it, yeah, you know, it's on it's iTunes. People can thing. listen to it on. I mean, it's just there are radio stations that play that aren't all over the air, but they're in the internet. That's probably playing you a lot. Yeah, but you don't know. That's uh, you, you know. Certainly. I mean, it is, but I, I somebody's probably playing my. my my tunes right now yeah <laughs> on some radio stations well they should be playing I'll never your, know. your tune now, um, you, are you bgo is the only yes that's right you know they WBGO. have a blues hour yeah. uh, uh, WBGO. Uh, but i you know I, I don't get on there very often yeah. i'm gonna have to talk to some people there you know I, listen michael bourne's a, a, an acquaintance michael. of mine we went down to barbados the first uh, barbados jazz festival really together yeah, it was for me. It was I was still working at Emerge, and it was a little oh, boondoggle. Wow. So Lizzie and I went to Barbados, and uh, Michael Bourne was there. So we hung out for four or five days. And wow! Have you talked to him since then? Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. You sent him some emails. You stopped by I, in Jersey and go, "Hey, man, how I you never doing?" By in and Jersey, then you hold the like but, the uh, CD up. I do. <laughs> I send him a little. You know, yeah. It's like whatever that. Yeah. And a metro card gets me another <laughs> ride on somebody. He's like, yeah. So yeah, thanks. Okay. Well, what are you working on right now? Uh, July eighth, we're having a CD release uh, of this incredible project mm-hmm. uh, that Tomas Donker Band okay. uh, has a Howlin' Wolf okay. project. Yeah, I was reading about that. And, what is uh, it? It's, it's called Moaning at Midnight. Uh-huh. And what Tomas uh, has done is gotten, uh, he's got an incredible roster of musicians mm-hmm. that worked with him. So uh, he decided to take, with respect, you know, take on the great Howlin' Wolf. Wow. wow. And so we're doing, I guess, we're doing nine 
nine wolf tunes, nine classic wolf tunes, and uh, one original. Okay. Of, uh, of Tomas. Tomas. And that's that's going to be released July... July 8th. 8th. And you guys having a like a party listening We're party We're having thing? a party on July 11th. Technically, July 12th. It's at the Blue Note. It's oh, the okay. midnight you know, twelve thirty-five. Right, how at midnight, man. You know what I mean. So that's why yeah, we're doing yeah, it. So you yeah. know, we're moaning at midnight. Wow. Uh, but it's an inc- it's an incredible project. It's really, really uh, something I feel very proud to be a part of. And uh, you know, the older I get, personally, I feel like I've become more confident mm-hmm. in the space that I occupy musically. Yeah, so yeah. this is uh, as we say it's very harmonica forward yeah <laughs> uh, you know, to take a fr- to coin right, a phrase right. you know it's like it's very fashion forward in a harmonica sense it's really there you know the top notes you the initial uh, uh flavor burst is there and then a, a nice strong finish with hints of blueberry and leather <laughs> Well, I think I if I uh, that's around your birthday too, right? Yes, it is. Uh oh. I'm not going to ask you how old you are. I will tell you. I will be 56 (laughs) years old on July 5th. July 5th, same day. My mother's birthday is July 5th. Really? Yeah. Was same date as uh, Big Ed Sullivan's grandmother's birthday. And and Travis's mother is July 5th. Dang. Dang. Yeah. I'm hanging out with Tom. <laughs> bunch of cancers. I'm around a bunch of cancerians. Cancer. Oh, you're know. so maternal and, and so listen, feeling it, it and is deep. Really, it's really true. My life is all about being a cancer man because yeah. all this, you know, nurturing and mm-hmm. uh, being full-time dad, being a full-time house husband, doing the cooking, mm-hmm. you know. That Very nurturing and nesting nurturing. Yes. type of groove. Mm-hmm. Emotional, uh, emotional support. You know, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I don't about that part <laughs> why'd you have to go there God. I'm sorry we're the Kleenex this the podcast <laughs> is over no not yet because I not want really. you to go down into the basement with me Uh-oh. here we go are you ready yeah I'm ready okay tell us <laughs> the Kleenex are actually yeah, over no, behind me like like, very handy <laughs> tell us about Someone you've worked with who was a little frightening to you, but in a good way. Hands down. Hands down. The only person that could be my answer is James Blood Ulmer. All right. All right. So this is the deep end of the pool. Okay. Uh, Do I have to bring the Kleenex over to you? No, 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 no. This is 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 all good. good. This is all good. You know... Into the, here's an interesting story if I can just take yeah, the yeah please the go longer. this is yeah interesting story so um, I played with a lot of people uh, Michael Hill mm-hmm. and Michael Hill's Blues Mob cornerstone of of a lot of the stuff that I that I do and I've mm-hmm. grown incredibly uh, as an artist through working with Michael mm-hmm. however interestingly enough uh, it's through Michael that I met Tomas Donker. Mm-hmm. It was through Michael that I met Vernon Reed. We were doing, uh, uh, there was a benefit for Hubert Sumlin mm. at B.B. King's mm-hmm. called Howlin' for Hubert. This was after he had some medical problems where mm-hmm. people were trying to raise some money to, yeah, to help his uh, yeah. financial mm-hmm. situation. Michael Hill invited me to appear with him on stage at B.B. King's. Wow. Which was cool. Right. Play right. the blues, right? Mm-hmm. Also on stage at that time, Michael Hill's good friend and, you know, Black Rock Coalition right, brother, right, right, yeah. Vernon Reed. Right, right. Yeah. So that's the first time I met Vernon. We play, uh, that's cool, blah, blah, blah. After we get off stage, Vernon Reed comes to me and says, listen, man, I'm working on a project. I'm about to start a project. With James Blood Omer. <laughs> and I'm looking for a harmonica player. Wow. And uh, I'll, he said, look, I'll get in touch with you. Yeah. 
Well, you know, whenever. Right, right, right. You know, time goes by. Mm -hmm. Finally, I get a call from Vern. He said, look, man, come on down to such and such studio. Mm -hmm. I want you to meet Blood, you know, play a little bit. It was like basically my audition type of thing. And uh, so I said, cool. (laughs) I went down, met Blood. In fact, I took Tatum. We were talking about it last night. Because, you know, I had to pick Tatum up at school. He was about 10. Mm -hmm. Uh took him down to the studio he hung out in the control room you know he was doing he had his workbooks he was doing his problem sets and stuff and i was out there you know just playing some blues Mm -hmm. and i met blood and uh my first time now blood is is you know he he lives in his own type of universe you know he's a he's a bad man incredible Mm -hmm. musician from South Kakalaki. So, you know, <laughs> it takes a while to really understand what blood be saying to you. So, <laughs> so I'm like my name in blood's mouth is Debon. <laughs> Debon. Don't take a genius to play the blues, Debon. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what he told me one time. Don't take a genius to play the blues, they bomb. They bomb. So he dug it. He dug it enough. Look, next thing I know, we are going to Memphis, Tennessee to record the first album in Sun Studio. Wow. It's called Memphis Blood. That's why the band is called the Memphis Blood Band. Because we started, our first record was... uh, Recorded in Sun Studio, March of 2001. Wow. That album, uh, Memphis Blood, was released on September 9th, 2001. Two days later was 9-11. Six weeks later, the record company went out of business. Really? Yeah. Wow. You know, because everything after nine eleven, everything everything so, stopped. Yeah, that's true. Nobody was buying records. Mm-hmm. No one, you know, we the world was profoundly changed. Mm-hmm. So we had no record company behind us right. uh, to promote. Right. We had nothing to support and all You that know stuff. that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. We got uh, that first one got nominated for a Grammy, so that generated some stuff. Right. Uh, I believe the great blues artist uh, Maria Muldaur one that particular year mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that that was the extent of my <laughs> my Grammy award right, right. Well, you know, proximity hey, <laughs> he was like oh a Grammy nomination and a MetroCard also gets right. you a ride on the subway that's cool no that's cool that's cool I got a t-shirt though I bought I bought a t-shirt <laughs> it's yeah. out there and it's out there you know oh, in my closet oh you don't oh, put that... it in a frame man you gotta put it in a frame I didn't we didn't win it's not right. my name's not on there right but still you know I mean you know that's stuff you could throw out anytime yeah I was on that uh, Grammy winning uh, you know, CD album yeah my question is now because I played on that that album uh-huh. and that album got nominated for a Grammy. Right. Does that mean that I'm a Grammy nominated harmonica player? I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the rules. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, I, I mean, blood. Well, is, I, think I it know depends blood on what what it Vernon. was nominated for. If it was nominated for uh, the best album, then yeah, because you actually made help well, make the record. But it wasn't, if it was, it was just... not best blues, you know. <laughs> It was, it was never going to be best album for crying out loud. I know, right? You know, <laughs> do Jesus they even have Christ, the blues? Do they have blues or jazz at all on Grammys? I don't yeah. know. I don't remember. It's been so long. I know they're totally cutting out uh, soundtracks. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> good. Whole, Damn man, that uh, what mess- is it? Uh, not the soundtracks, but the other one uh, scores. I don't think they give <laughs> best music scores. Yeah, well, they, because they end up giving it to the same dude every year. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. exactly. You know There's what I mean? Like there one. are no composers yeah. out there. Like, right? They cut out the polka category because the same dude was winning, winning all of it right it's 36 like the, like years the pan right? flute. Yeah. you know that cat man was a zamphir i mean hey look he, he since the time he started to lock now, it down right. said, we got this now i got it i got another emmy <laughs> right. grammy whatever they call right. 
So now, what was this, the frightening thing that was because you were going around, you know? The frightening thing was this. Uh, number one, because I don't understand everything that uh, blood says. Uh, so that there's that. Right. So in terms of uh, the song that we're particularly we're going to play next, right? Uh, sometimes I, I I wouldn't know. Uh, right, he would call it out, but you wouldn't know what it was. Come <laughs> on. All right, so here's the frightening thing. Here's the frightening thing. So uh, the album came out 2001. March 2002. Uh-huh. Blood takes me and uh, Aubrey Dale, who played drums with, with Blood for many, many years, and Mark Peterson, great bass player, also played with Blood many many years mm-hmm. and me go as a quartet to Ann Arbor, Michigan, the Hill Theater Hill Auditorium mm-hmm. uh, at UFM to open for BB King. Wow. First time I've played with Blood since we played what? in Memphis to okay. record the album. Okay. So I didn't really know the ins and outs of playing with blood. Right. Like the play the song in a different key that you've worked on. You know, it's oh. like, oh, oh, yeah. Like that stuff like <laughs> shifting on the fly. Yeah, yeah. Aubrey yeah. and Mark, they're like, oh, yeah, he does that all the time. Right, because I was out. That's when know, you play when you're out on the road. It's the road playing. Like, yeah. Whatever. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. okay. And they're just like, oh. They just shift. Right, no exactly, problem. right. Meanwhile, exactly. You, I'm you like, gotta go. <laughs> I got a suitcase full of harmonicas. So, <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> no, that's not, no, that's not it. <laughs> so, so, this is what happens. We are on stage. Beautiful, beautiful auditorium. Right. In fact, this was the final uh, gig before they closed it down for two years to renovate it. Oh, at least wow. that's what I, they wow. said. I mean, maybe because they said, you know what? No more music in this place. After that shit. Oh, hell no. We shutting this whole thing down. Uh, so, uh, one tune. I don't even know what the tune was. I, uh, I certainly didn't know what key it was in. Right. So, I'm at, at my... <laughs> my harmonica case right. doing the no 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 trying to find it nope no can't figure it out it's in the key of x i don't okay, know what right, it is right right <laughs> next thing i know as i'm trying to figure it out blood says they bone <laughs> solo <laughs> oh, okay okay so i don't know what key to play I don't know what key the song is in. So I just literally grab any harmonica Uh and I take the biggest breath and do the biggest chord I could do. It is like, I said, yo, the right note is in there somewhere. somewhere. (laughs) It's up to you to go find it. And I held that thing until I almost passed out. Didn't move from that initial chord. (laughs) And that's it. Uh And people clap they said oh man blood. that's so deep because you know <laughs> blood you know blood is so out there it's right, like yeah, anyway. oh, yeah that makes right. sense to have right. somebody man he just he was that in the key of x i well, think it was right, yeah, right. He, that's he, like avant-garde post jazz or post blues avant-garde listen, blues yeah but i was terrified uh-huh. because i i mean that's not the way i really want to that's not the space i want to occupy i don't want to occupy that I don't know what key it's in. I don't know. You know, I was still deep into the fear of the wrong note. Right, right. At that time. That right. was 2002, 12 years ago. Right. And now, that's what this... The, now I don't blood, care about blood the wrong too, note. right? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Wow. So uh, that was my terrifying, profound moment. In fact, I still wake up... Uh, you know, so in now a cold that's all. Sweat. Now that's this. This could also be the answer to the third question. Oh too, well, that's the way I, I intended Man, it. Man, why do you go backwards going forward? Sorry, what? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I have. A, I'll no, have but a you total. included too, so that's good. 
Okay. You included the the this, the frightening the someone who you've worked with um, that frightened you in a good way. You've already included that, and then you answered three. The the terrifying moment too. Right. You answered that, which kind of is combined, which in a way can can. That's the way my life is. That's how your life is. You combine <laughs> it. All right. So let's go to question two. Okay. Which which is what? Which is. Uh, and you may have answered that when you talk I'm about sure dreams. What is the scariest work in any medium, and painting, photograph, dreams, books, movies, television shows, whatever, that you've encountered? This one is easy, and it has nothing to do with James Blood Omer <laughs> or Michael Hill, or it has nothing to do with music, as it turns out. Um, the most terrifying uh, time was the time I spent trying to be a playwright. Ah. I actually, along with you know, the poetry that I was writing, along with I, the paint, you know, that's it's my, I, I paint. It, oh. That's no problem. It was like, I mean, I haven't done it in a long time. But, oh. you know, I, I, I paint in a minute. That was like right, right, nothing. Right. I don't, you know. And right, right, get the yeah, paints yeah, out, right, you know, yeah, like, yeah, hey, we all, we're yep, all yeah, creative. We, we smoke, Hello, we, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to paint something. <laughs> right, 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 we're feel so no pain. profound. When it, yes. However, I spent a long, uh, you know, time uh, as my, as a young adult mm-hmm. trying to become a playwright. Okay. I had written a musical, the book to a musical uh, when I was in college, and that was very, uh, uh well received mm-hmm. and uh, that was my goal mm-hmm. when I came back to New York before Lizzie and I got married I said, you know before Tatum was born it's like alright I might have to have a job or whatever but mm-hmm. I'm going to try to knock yeah, these things right, out yeah. so I'm mm-hmm. writing plays I was writing plays and then I started studying with people I, I am really good at writing the first Eight pages of a play. <laughs> I would, I would kick ass. First eight pages. Get to page nine, yeah. and that was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was like the end. <laughs> Throw me in the toilet. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> I uh, I studied with literally some of the best, greatest playwriting teachers in the city of New York. Wow. For years, mm-hmm. and uh, I stumped them all. <laughs> stumped them all. Really? Can you help me? Sure, I can. Look, judging on these eight pages, you have great talent. Come on, join my class. Do it. Damn. How about this? Here's, here's my full length play. Oh, no. No, <laughs> wow. So it was what, bad. what do you think it was? What do you think it, it was? It was the... my fear. Yes. It's my fear of dealing with the truth my truth oh interesting you know uh i was clinging too tightly to my truth because you know people say write about what you know mm-hmm. well there's i knew a lot of shit that i couldn't feel comfortable writing about right either because you know people were still alive right or, <laughs> right, you know, right 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 or, <laughs> People were still alive. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know like, you or I was married to people who <laughs> were still alive and shit. And you couldn't you know. change the name to protect the guilty? I, I mean, no, the innocent? I mean, apparently not. Because in my attempt to do so, uh-huh. you yes. know, it got into the, oh, this really sucks. <laughs> this, prof- this is profoundly. Now, Lizzie gets upset with me when I start talking about my past work because she... You know, found, she lived with me, yes, and supported me during that that uh, that period of my life. And you know, she's like, she doesn't like to hear me talk badly about my plays, right? Or some of the right, plays, but right. they all sucked, right? <laughs> they all sucked. They all sucked. I mean, I wrote one. Uh, I did one uh, uh, one act play mm-hmm. that was actually performed in the world, and it was good. Mm-hmm. I could do short stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that full length thing where beginning, middle, and end, yes. and that the beginning is good, the middle right. is interesting, and yeah, the end that... is really, boom, great. Right, right. Nope. Wow. It was really bad. Also, you know, I was trying to do it during the time that August Wilson was alive ah. and writing, oh, the greatest theater since yeah. Shakespeare, perhaps. Yeah. So, you know, any good idea that I had that was 
vaguely resembled some yeah, sh- yeah. damn August Wilson <laughs> fucked up my shit again <laughs> right 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 damn, man I had that idea right baby remember that I, I had that idea that same thing now I can't do it right right damn he right. he messed me up so much right well that, now he's gone and uh, you know are there such thing as writers of plays anymore I'm sure they are, right? A lot of there's a lot of very talented, great young, ones, but you never get to people. see them a lot. They're of young, times, they're a lot of a whole new generation of young people doing very exciting things. Yeah. But I just I can't be a part of them anymore. Wow. I just can't do it. That's something I just had to accept. Yeah, yeah. you know. I'd well, like maybe think- at this particular period of time, who knows? I mean, you know that our voices we discover parts of ourselves with voices, or we let go of certain things. Um, yes. When you reach a certain age, I know for me. I have moved into a period where I have let go of so many things that were um, important to me, but it was in the way. It yeah. just got in the way, and uh, and it's and it all is almost always around fear. You know, fear is that uh, that thing that disguises itself, or at least our minds disguise it in so many different subtle ways. And, yes. you know, and then we call it blah, 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 blah. But it, when you just break it down, it, it just is that raw, that raw thing. Now, it, are do you like scary books and movies and no. television? You don't like any? No. No? <laughs> no. Hell no. Honestly, last, like the last scary movie yeah. I ever saw, The Exorcist. Really? In the theater. So what's that? 70 Wow. 75? Wow. I don't wow. play that shit. It's interesting cuz almost everybody I've uh interviewed so far, they um they're not into scary movies or they don't like them or they don't watch them. Um and that's it's just it's very fascinating. I I think I'll have to sum up and separate in the show the one person so far that actually (laughs) would would actually the number the question number two was actually valid so (laughs) i have to probably change my questions now because no one they go no no or they go oh no i'm not afraid of any of the stuff like that so um okay well uh we could go back to the question three would you say that that experience of trying to find the right harmonica was the scariest thing that ever happened to you while performing live or that moment was the pinnacle of the scariest thing. That was, I mean, there's always, every time I play, there's the fear of, you know, harmonica players, un- unless they've got perfect pitch and, right, and never make mistakes right. or something like that. You know, there are T-shirts made for harmonica players. It's like, what key? Because that's all we, that's all we need. To, you know, and, and guitarists, and certainly guitarists who like, lead bands right. they just kick it off five six seven eight excuse me right right that's right i mean i could my ear is pretty good i can i can nail it pretty quickly mm-hmm. most of the time but right. every so often it's just like no that's right. not right no that's not it. oh maybe it's e nope it's not e maybe f no that's it so now and instead of playing a chromatic scale yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go on. <laughs> I guess I yes. won't even get into that. It would, that would be my. Now, now we're talking about my life. Yeah, instead <laughs> of instead of playing a chromatic harmonica, uh, which is a totally different animal. Completely. I I, I call the chromatic harmonica a mouthful of wrong notes. Really? Yeah. Because, because when I play it, that's all there is, baby. <laughs> you know, because you right. play, you can play every every key, right, right. but you got to know. Oh, you know, know, gotta it's know what intense. those keys are and shit. It's, it's like, intense, mm, yeah. That's a mouthful of wrong notes for me. I don't mess around. I don't mess around with that. Not only that, I with this mustache, you know, you, you start have pushing to do, that oh button. Oh my god, yeah, pull it. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It'll just rip it right just, out. Just swinging from my. <laughs> you, you, oh no, that's a, oh god, why, why? You'll so, be screaming too while playing. So <laughs> you finish the set with just blood half, half a harmonica, <laughs> bloody lip. And sh- yeah. Right, 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 right. That's that's my excuse, but uh, no, I, I I can't get my re- mind around that. And also, you know, there are so many great chromatic chrom- harmonica players yeah, out there. Yeah. I mean, there are great diatonic players out there too. But mm-hmm. uh, that's too bad. I'm not going to give up the diet- <laughs> diatonic. Well, we gotta we've gotta play together uh, at some point. Yes, and, you know. Well, and... you know, we when we've done it, 
Uh, it's always been a delight. It's, it's always been, been in a very good, intimate yes. setting, you yes. know, jazz brunch or yeah. something like that. Well, I got to play more. I, my my thing this year is to play more. Um, so I started out uh, doing a lot more uh, gigs, and I, I'm writing more too because the next album is all original. So, nice. um, and it may and and if I can get it together and finish writing these songs, I would love to have you play on one of the tunes. Awesome. That I all right, have. So you oh, all heard that. You, you, you all <laughs> heard that, right? So we have this. this uh, oh, yeah. Like, now it's, it's, now it's, on. Now it's, it's on. on. It's, it's on. on now. It's on. It's on. It's on. Well, this was great. This was really wonderful. Was Thank you so much total, for doing the show. My total pleasure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to all those who listen to this podcast know that, you know, I, I send you peace and blessings and uh, this positivity that uh, hopefully you can get a, a a glimpse of just this positive thing, this vibe that uh, Veronica and I have, which is based on on love and respect, and Absolutely. that's basically all you need. And I love you too, and baby. I you love you too, too baby. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us on Tales from the Jazz Side. Peace. <laughs> The jazz side is always there, waiting for us to enter and waiting to enter us. So, until next time, unplug your ear holes, for you never know what worlds may be waiting for you.